Welcome to Ennisbrook Church. We hope this message from our sex and location pastor, Jared Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at ennisbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Uh, my name is Jared Lieberzeit. If I have not uh, met you or if we have not met, and uh, it's a privilege to be sharing some thoughts with us today. Uh, my, my wife, Felicia, and I were the location pastors here, and uh, she's an amazing MC, I, I would think. And uh, that was a great, great job leading us into those baptisms. That was very, very powerful. Incredible thoughts. Um, today, we're going to talk about a new spiritual practice. If you don't know, we've been on this journey for the uh, past well year or, or say maybe 11 months or so, and we've uh, we have been on a journey of sp- uh, talking about spiritual practices and following the way of Jesus Christ. And uh, so today we're actually on to our tenth practice. Okay, we have 12 on the list. I don't know if we're going to make it, guys. I don't know if we are. We've got, I think, including today, there's five Sunday services for the rest of the year. Um, so, you know, roll on Christmas. Get your shopping going. Um, but uh, today we, we are absolutely excited. We get to uh, talk about celebration. We get to talk about celebration. Anybody love celebrating? Fan- fantastic. And uh, this is an amazing practice. And you might hear that and think like, what? Like celebration is a spiritual practice? Absolutely. Yes, it is. And I want to help us understand that and see that today. Um, We were created to enjoy life and celebrate. We were created to celebrate God. We were created to celebrate life, to celebrate each other and to celebrate together. Celebration is a discipline or a practice that we need. Our life needs it, our church needs it, and our community needs it. We need celebration, amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then I wanna share these thoughts. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that today you would speak to us. Lord, for anyone who came in here hoping for a good message, sorry, they're gonna be disappointed. This is not gonna be a good preach, but I pray that, Lord, it would just be your word, and that's all we need. That's all we need. So Father, we welcome you afresh. Come and move in this place. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Celebration, this practice that we need. It's incredibly spiritual. In fact, it is a channel that when used correctly can help us grow in an intimate relationship with God. Jesus didn't only come to deal with the dark things in our lives, but He showed us how to celebrate. He showed us that celebration is important. He demonstrates that celebration is a godly thing and that we are to follow in His footsteps. So we need to do the same. We need to learn how to be a people of celebration. Here's why it has to be a practice of following Jesus. And this is a really deep thought to get us started off. Celebration is something that never happens on accident. No one celebrates on accident. It's always planned. You never accidentally go to a birthday party or a wedding. Although I have heard of one person who crashed a wedding here in Nelson in the Miyazu Gardens, just walked in wearing like board shorts, jandals and a like singlet and just sat in the back, which by the way, legally you can actually do. A wedding ceremony is by law, a public open ceremony and you cannot kick someone out. So if you ever wanted to just jump in and we see, we, we see, maybe you've done that, if, in this, if you have, that's incredible. 
We see celebration all through the Scripture as an intentional, dedicated moment throughout the Word of God where people are just making time to celebrate. There are things like weddings. There's moments where like King David dances before the Lord wearing not much. It's an intentional decision to take his clothes off. And um, it's an intentional thought that the shepherds, the wise men and the angels, they turn up and they celebrate the birth of Jesus with gifts, with song and with prayer. God gave Israel many celebrations in the old covenant, such as like things like the festive booths and year of Jubilee and Passover and Sabbath. It's a celebration. In the new covenant, He has given us the Lord's Supper. He's given us communion. We celebrated that last week together. How powerful was that? We celebrate the day of Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit was released on not just a couple of people, but on all people available for all of us through Jesus Christ. We celebrate baptism. It's intentional. Someone had to come today and set up that pool. I don't know if you know that. In fact, I want to say thank you to Phil Eagle and to, I'm sure he had someone else with him for um, getting stuck in and doing that. Came here yesterday. And every time we have baptisms, he comes and does that. Greater than that, the two people that said, I want to intentionally get baptised today and be a part of the celebration. Obviously, we celebrate as a church, but as an individual, it's a celebration as well. Celebration is key because it was never God's will for Christians to live dry and boring lives. <laughs> That's why we see celebration both commanded and practiced throughout the Bible because Scripture says that Christ came so that we may have life and we may have life more abundantly, John 10 verse 10. The life abundant includes celebration. In fact, let me ask you this. What are your plans for your birthday this year or next year? Your next birthday? What are your plans? Just think about it for a second, okay? Just a little bit of homework that maybe you can just do right now. What are your birthday plans? Can I come? <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you going to do for your next birthday? Like, think about it. Say it was your birthday today or tomorrow and, and you could just like map out an entire day of all the things, all your favourite things. What would it be? What would be at the top of the list? What would you include in that day? How would you celebrate your birthday? For some of us, it might be a golf day. In fact, there's a few guys here who are slowly getting addicted to the game of golf, which I am an advocate for, which is amazing. Maybe we should go today. I don't know. Anyone keen? Um, <laughs> see that? A lot of yups. No, no, not in church. Come on, guys. Maybe, maybe a part of your way of celebrating your birthday would be to get out on the boat, to go fishing, to, to go for a wakeboard, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you, you're the type of person that just wants to travel. You know, I, I want to go away and uh, either Fiji or Stewart Island, one of the two. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe the way that you celebrate is just, you know, just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with my, my wife or, or my husband, um, spend, spend maybe time with your children, a max of five minutes, you know. Maybe you want to spend time with friends as a part of your birthday. Maybe you would spend time with no one, and that's okay. We get it. Maybe you'd prefer just to have a whole day shopping or get your nails done. Lynn's nails. Maybe you would like to uh, go and get a massage. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. I'm a very ticklish person, just so you know. So never had a massage in my life and I don't think I ever could. Um, but yeah. Maybe you just want to drink coffee and eat good food. I don't know. And, and the list goes on. There's many things that we could say and talk about. And all of these things are great. They're great things. They're great ways to celebrate. It's very likely, in fact, that when I ask the question, hey, what's the plan? What's your, what's your plan? How are you going to celebrate your next birthday? The thing that you first thought of is just the thing that makes you happiest in life. 
the thing that you first thought of was the thing that maybe just makes you happy. When we celebrate on earth, we tend to do the things that make us happy, right? We do the things that make, make us feel some sort of happiness, and that's okay because society says if it makes you happy, you should do it. If it makes you happy, well, we'll go ahead. Why not? Can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, just, just do it. And sometimes I think that's how we treat celebration in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. We treat it like it's all about being happy, like we celebrate to get happy, or we are happy, so now it's time to celebrate. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, I'm in the mood for it, so now I'm going to celebrate. But I think that's a little bit whacked up. It's not quite right. Sometimes I think we're celebrating the wrong way. Celebrating in the kingdom of heaven is not just about finding happiness. It's about reminding ourselves of something that we have that is much deeper than just happiness. And you may know what this is. You may have this. You may be experiencing this right now. It's a thing called joy. It's joy. Joy. The thing about happiness is that it's a fleeting emotion. It doesn't stay for long. You can have happy moments and then that just can end. You could be happy on the golf course and then walk off and be sad (laughs) because you looked at your scorecard. (laughs) You could be happy out boating, but not, you know, not catch anything other than sharks on the set line. What? Come on, no. (laughs) It doesn't stay around forever. But joy, on the other hand, is a long-lasting state of being. Joy, in fact, is promised by God and is something that we should own and take a hold of and receive. James 1 verse 2, let me read some scripture about joy if I can. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. He's not saying pretend that you have joy. He's not saying just, just, I don't know, act a little bit happy, but he's saying, hey, call the situation that you're facing joyful. So whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, whether it makes you happy or sad, there's a central thing that should go through our life that is I'm considering this as joy. It doesn't matter how I feel right now. I have joy in my heart. Philippians 4 verse 4 says rejoice says rejoice. It actually says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, again I say, rejoice. I just said that. That's a shout out to my, uh, my father, Brentley. <laughs> no, no disrespect. John 15 verse 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus saying, hey, here's the way that you can get a complete joy. Take my joy. He just says, take my joy. You don't have to try and get it anywhere else in the world. Jesus has joy for us today. Come on, anyone feeling joyful? Anyone feel like celebrating? Psalm 126 verse five says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. They will reap, it will turn into joy. Even though you go through the hardest moments and there may be tears in your life and situations that you're not sure how you're gonna get through it, but there is a joy that will come in the morning, amen? Proverbs 17, verse 22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Nehemiah 8, verse 10 says, do not grieve, 
For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. This is an amazing, amazing moment of celebration for the for these people, the Israelite people. They've just rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and they've done the work and it's incredible and it's glorious and it's this holy city and it's back to its state that it should be in and it's amazing and they stop and they celebrate and the Scripture says that they go and they have choice food and they have sweet drinks right? And they just make this time to rejoice. And they're not just rejoicing because they're happy, they're rejoicing because they have the strength and it comes from the joy that comes from the Lord. C.S. Lewis says it so, so beautifully. He says, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. God's plan for our life is that we would enjoy our life, that our days would be full of life and expectation, full of enjoyment and fun. One of the secrets of every follower of Jesus is that they know joy. They know joy. A joy that comes not just because of what we do, but it, become, it comes because of who we know because we know Jesus, because we know the goodness of God, because celebration is a practice of following Jesus. And it's, it's, it basically just means that we always have a reason to celebrate. We just always have a reason to celebrate. I hope this is helping you understand this type of, the type of celebration that we should be aiming for. It's the only response that is actually suitable for the work or to the work of the power of God in our lives that we, we celebrate. We can't help but celebrate His goodness. We just, we just can't help but celebrate His goodness. And, and there's this amazing story in the Bible and Jesus demonstrates celebration. Jesus paints this incredible prophetic picture of celebration. And uh, this is in John 2 verse 1 to 11. In fact, Jesus demonstrates his goodness to his disciples and, and guess what he does it? He uses it. He uses a wedding celebration to do this. Okay? It's a wedding celebration and this is just incredible. There's so much to take from the scripture but it's this amazing uh, main theme that runs through it, a central theme and I want to just talk about that a little bit. This is what it says. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and His disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Verse 3 says, When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to Him, They have no more wine. Jesus, they have no more wine. Woman. That was low. If I ever referred to my mother in that way and ever responded to her by just saying, I know that in this it's a, it's a term of affection, but that would just not go well for me. I don't know about you. Woman, <laughs> you know. Why do you involve me? He's like, why do you have to include me in this? This is not ideal. He says, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, just do whatever he tells you. It doesn't even confirm the plan. Just says, hey, just do whatever he tells you. Near, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind that were used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, hey, go ahead, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. 
And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. They were like, we know where this has come from. This is crazy. This is a scandal. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which He revealed His glory and His disciples believed in Him. Now, they say this is the first sign of His glory because it's one of the first moments, in fact, it is the first moment where Jesus did something that was so out of the box and radical. I know that He helped some of His first disciples find a bunch load of fish Do you know the whole story? Throw the net out on the other side. But anyone watching could have just been like, hey, well, that was just luck. In this situation, water turned to wine. It's a straight out miracle. It's, it's, just, it's out the gate. Like it is, it is blowing people away. And obviously the servants that watch would have been like, this is good. We understand this to be His first sign or miracle, but displaying the glory and the goodness of God. The image of a wedding speaks to two different types of celebration. The first is eternal and the second is while we're here on earth. The first is eternal because Jesus also shares His parable later in Matthew 22 verse 2, saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet that a king has put on for a son and that everyone is invited, painting this amazing picture in our head. And I want you to get this, that heaven is like a wedding banquet, that heaven is full of celebration, that heaven is just a celebration moment, a moment where we get to come together and feast and drink and be in the presence of the greatness of our God. But also it affects us while we're here on earth. Let me explain. In this scene, wine is the centre point of this wedding celebration. I mean, you got the bride and the groom, that's all good. But the wine is what keeps the celebration going, right? Have you heard about that? How when the wine runs out, essentially that's when everyone would just like go home. They'd get to the point and they're like, oh, well, no point being here. I'm leaving. (laughs) That's rude. I don't know if you've ever done that at someone's wedding. eh? When the bar tab closed, you're just like, see ya. Um, (laughs) The wine is so important. It's to be freely poured out and served to all of the wedding guests. Let me read this to you. The wine isn't, isn't a sign that we all have a green light today to start drinking. Their goal was not to celebrate just with drunkenness, but the wine is actually a symbol of sustained joy. Wine in the New Testament, of course, is replaced by the Holy Spirit, where Paul writes and says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you believe in Jesus, and if you have the Holy Spirit, which by the way, if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, there is no need for you to get drunk on wine because you have everything you need in the Holy Spirit. That's what this kind of idea is. I mean, that's what we read today. That's, that's how we apply it to our life today. Yes, wine is there. Yes, we can drink it, but let's not drink it to get drunk. We don't need to. We have God. Yeah. Being a good host in this time was extremely important. In this culture, weddings, weddings were like right up there with the most important event and guests would come from so far away. So it was critical for the bride and the groom to just make a good impression. Wedding guests expected there to at least be enough food and drink to last the entire, may I say, several day celebration. We pick up the story and it's already the third day. It's already day three of this wedding celebration. 
Fair or not, just as it is today, there was a tremendous amount of pressure on the newlyweds to entertain their guests. It was the, it was the responsibility of the host of the wedding to provide the wine and to keep the bar tab open. But the wine ran out. The wine ran out. What they couldn't fulfill, Jesus had to step in and do. The wine in this first of Jesus' miracles is not just about providing drink for a good party. It represents Jesus' own blood that He would later provide for people in a loving covenant for all of us. Just as Jesus turns water into wine at a wedding where people enter into a covenant of love on earth, Jesus also acts as the agent of transformation to activate a heavenly covenant of love, making it possible for us as humans to experience a heavenly salvation. Anyone celebrating about that? Where the groom and the groom's family of this wedding had failed, Jesus steps in and takes the responsibility to do what? To provide for the people. The reason they ran out of wine at the wedding was because the groom that was there was insufficient. He was not enough. He hadn't got it sorted. He couldn't provide. There was nothing that he could do anymore to be able to give to the people that had been invited to this amazing celebration into this wedding reception. So Jesus turns up and He's actually making a statement saying, step aside, (laughs) the bridegroom is here. The one that we need is here. The bridegroom has arrived and has come for His bride. The bridegroom has arrived and has come for His people. That Jesus would be the bridegroom to us, the church, His bride now, us, each and every one of us, is what He has come to do. That's the, that is the central theme of this Scripture. It is not just about a continuation of a party, but it is actually about our now state of life and the relationship that we get to have with Jesus. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's a a powerful, powerful story. Not not only would He come and and provide, but out of His goodness, that out of His sacrifice and for the love of the people, He makes a way for us to stay in celebration. He makes a way for us to stay in celebration. And yes, we're talking about wine. But Jesus knew that one day He would sit around with His disciples and hold up a cup that was filled with wine in the upper room and say, take this cup in remembrance of me as a representation of my blood that was poured out for you, a new covenant. He provides the best wine. The master of the banquet says, you save the best wine to last because you can try all the other different sources of life. You can go to all different areas of life to find some sort of provision, to find some sort of fulfillment, to find some sort of happiness. But ultimately, you will not find life until you come to the foot of the cross where Jesus Christ is for you and I. He is the image of the best wine. Why? Because His wine never runs out, because it never dries up, because there's enough for every single one of us, and because He is the perfect groom. He's the perfect groom. Is this okay? I'm just giving you a reason to celebrate. Good. The wine doesn't mean that we can party and just have a nice cute moment, but it means that we can actually know joy. Why? Because it meant that our souls could be restored, that our sins could be wiped clean. A new wine is now being poured out for us. And if you and I would commit to our our lives to being His vessel, that that new wine would flow within us, allowing us to do life and know life and have life to the fullest. 
That's what this is all about. So we get here and we must ask the question, why do we need to celebrate? Why do we need to? I mean, like these guys obviously did. And there's going to be a great moment when we're in heaven and, and we get to celebrate in heaven. And that's what heaven looks like. But why is it something that we have to practice while we're on earth? What's so important about it? And what does it actually look like? I think that we need to practice celebration because we need to be reminded of the goodness of God instead of just focusing on how tough things around us can be. We use celebration actually as a tool to keep us focused on who God is and where God is in our situation, on how good He really is and on, on His amazing work within our lives. It reminds us of the stuff that He is doing in us even when it feels like it's just tough work, like it's just a hard, niggly season. One of Satan's goals, by the way, is to make us question our celebration. So either make us think that we're not worthy of it or that it isn't important. And as a result of that, we start to question God's goodness for our life. Some of us in the room have stopped living a life of celebration because we've stopped believing that God is good. Maybe you've forgotten as well that you're a citizen of heaven. Ephesians 3 says that, but we are citizens of heaven. That is where we belong. We belong in heaven. And because Earth is not our home. You know that the earth is just a temporary thing. This life is just so temporary. It will disappear so quickly. But the fact that we were actually made to be citizens of heaven means that things on earth aren't always going to be perfect. Things on earth are sometimes going to be tough. Of course they're going to be tough if you are a citizen of heaven and you're comparing your life on earth to what your life might have been in heaven, where everything is perfect, where there is nothing of harm, no pain, where there's no shame or guilt, where there's no sin, where it is absolutely perfect, where we just get to be together and enjoy and celebrate. And, and that's, that's, what, that's what we were created for. You understand that? Jesus taught us though, that it isn't just about what happens when we die. So we're not citizens of heaven just waiting around for the day where we die and we go to heaven, right? But it actually is meant to have an impact on our life right now. What is that famous prayer that Jesus taught? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. This is amazing. It means that not only do we belong in eternity of salvation and celebration with Jesus, but we have the ability to bring heaven to earth right now. We have ability to bring what is going on in heaven to earth right now. So instead of hiding away in fear, because, because we're, I don't know, just afraid of the season, or maybe it is tough. And like James writes, there are many trials that are testing us and pushing us to the limit. And there's all these things are going on. But instead of cowering away in fear and anxiety, we, had, we can have a confidence and carry confidence and a boldness and celebrate in every season because we know that God is just, good because we get to experience heaven right here, right now, even in this room. Let me tell you this, heaven is in this place. The presence of God is not something that we are aiming for, hoping for, or just like trying to get to, but we have the presence of God here right now in our midst. Do you know why? Because the presence of God is within you. Heaven is in your heart. Heaven is in your heart. Can I get the band to come and join me on stage? This is, this is incredible. This is amazing. This, this means that even when you feel like the wine is running out, it's not. And maybe today you're here and it feels like the wine 
is running out. Like the celebration is running dry. Like maybe you're just not sure why, why celebrate. What is there to celebrate? Maybe you kind of feel like your celebration has run out. I want to declare over us as a church that He is pouring new wine into our lives. That He is still the same God. He's still a good God. He still does good things. In fact, He takes anything that the enemy would mean for evil and He turns it for what? Our good. He's a good God and He does good things. That's what the Psalms say. You might feel like the wine is running out, but He is pouring new wine, which looks like this. Instead of anxiety, we get the peace of heaven. Instead of pain, we can have healing from heaven. Instead of brokenness, we can be made whole. Instead of dysfunction, we can have heavenly relationships. Instead of sadness, we can know the happiness of the kingdom of heaven. And greater than just happiness, we can know true joy. We can know true joy. It's what everyone's searching for. It's what we're hoping for. I believe joy is a decision. Consider it pure joy, James says. Just make the decision today. I'm gonna hold on to joy. I'm gonna make it a part of my life. It isn't just gonna be about how I feel in the moment. It isn't just gonna be how I respond to moments. But today, regardless of how it looks, whether it's bad or it's good, joy is the foundation of my life. Jesus' act of refilling the jars with wine speaks of salvation and eternity with Him. But we also get to claim the impact of heaven on our life right now. So we need to do what a follower of Jesus does. And we need to celebrate. We need to go ahead and celebrate. Celebrate your achievements. Celebrate the milestones. Celebrate the wins. Celebrate the birthdays. Celebrate the weddings. Celebrate the funerals, the baby showers, all the things that on earth we do as earthly things. But don't just celebrate the fact that you got a year older. Celebrate the faithfulness of God throughout that year. Celebrate the provision of God on your life. Celebrate the favour and the blessing. Celebrate the fact that God has brought those children that you're celebrating. Celebrate God's work in your life. Let's make it about more than just the activity. Celebration is not just an activity, but it is an attitude. It's a way of living. It's a, it's a spirit. It is a spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit is in fact joy. So when you receive Jesus into your life, you're given a part of His characteristic. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, it's just they all just make up who Jesus is. And He has them as a gift for each and every one of us. It's a gift for us to take a hold of. So today we can actually receive joy. We can receive celebration. We can receive this way of living. It isn't something that you have to try and go and get. It is here right now for us. We have a reason to celebrate. In fact, every day can be a celebration. The world celebrates us. It celebrates in such a different way to what we do. As followers of Jesus, we don't base it around the celebration of birthdays, weddings, funerals, graduations, or whatever. Our celebration is purely about the goodness of God. It's not about activity alone. Our celebration is a deeper soul celebration. Sounds good. A soul celebration is a joy-filled soul. Maybe you're here today or with us in Wellington and you feel like the, the wine has run out. Mary comes to Jesus. His mother comes to Him and just says, they're out of wine. 
Sometimes it's like the celebration. It's, it's from event to event. It's, it's, it's kind of like, well, I need the moments. I need Sunday. I need connect group. I need these things. But actually, it's meant to be constant in our life. And it can be. But for maybe someone in the room, you're feeling like you're running on empty or you're feeling like the, the jar is empty. We need today to learn to let the goodness of God fill the space of celebration in our life. Let me ask you this question. Is the wine running out? Or do you feel like it's run out? Because I gotta tell you today, Jesus is still pouring out new wine on our life, on anyone that would be a vessel, even in your brokenness, even in the state that you're in. For we are just jars of clay. That's who we were created to be. That's how He wanted us so that He could work a glorious work in our life so that He could patch us up together so that He could make us beautiful in who we are, even though we've done some things and even though there are mistakes and even though there's tracks that we've been down in our life, Jesus still comes in His grace-filled way to patch us up, to make us whole and then fill us with joy and fill us with this wine and fill us with celebration. So today, when was the last time you said, or you could say you really enjoy your life? Fully joyful, fully present in the moment, fully content with life, fully at peace with the person in the mirror. Today, I want us to pray and we're gonna pray for a fresh anointing of joy. We're gonna pray for a fresh anointing of joy here in the room for everyone tuning in online as well. And maybe just as you sit here today, you're like, you know what, that's me. I mean, I, I don't know about celebration. It is, it is about happiness for me or, or I, I'm, I'm feeling like the joy has left me and as a result, you're feeling weak. Maybe that's how you would describe this year. It's just been a weak journey. It's been tough. I haven't been strong enough. Come on today, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Let His joy replace the mourning and the sorrow in your life. Take a hold of it with every eye closed, with every head bowed right now. We're gonna get ready to worship, in fact. And we're gonna sing this beautiful song. It's an old song, it's a hymn. 1870 it was written. It's called, It Is Well With My Soul. It is well with my soul. The lyrics of the verse say, when peace like a river, even when the sorrow comes, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. That is our declaration. That is our position of celebration, being able to say, it's, it's okay. Everything's gonna be okay. It is well with my soul. Today, if you are receiving maybe a fresh anointing of joy, why don't you just uh, lift your hands or the eyes closed. Why don't you just maybe reach out your hands and just uh, position yourself to receive from Him today. Allow His Holy Spirit work to work within your life. Father, right now we come to You. We thank You, oh Lord, for this incredible anointing an anointing to fulfill what You're calling us to in our life. Oh Lord, to live a life of celebration, to be set apart from the rest of the world, to be set apart from whatever is going on around us. Right now, we're declaring, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it feels like, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Father, we pray it for everyone joining us in Wellington. Lord, we would experience true joy in Your presence 
Oh, we would understand your goodness. Lord, we would recognise your work in our life. That, Father, we would be responding today, celebrating, not just in a moment, but living a life of celebration that sets us apart. Make an example of us, Lord. Let people see us and ask the question, why are they so joyful? What is it about them? What is happening in their life? Father, we pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we receive you today. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.